Home sweet home, at least, Wyoming hopes that's the case when they finally return to War Memorial Stadium this week. Hey everyone, welcome into the latest edition of the Pokescast, production of the Casper Star Tribune and Pokes Authority. I am Davis Potter, Wyoming beat writer for the Star Tribune, and it will be Wyoming and Hawaii on Friday night, 7.45 kick. Uh, game can be seen on FS1 and what will be Wyoming's first home game in nearly a full calendar year. You got to go back, uh, to last year's border war, uh, in late November for the last time that, uh, Wyoming played a game at War Memorial Stadium. Uh, it'll be a little bit different, uh, obviously with Wyoming limiting capacity to 7,000 fans for their first game, but, It'll be more than no fans, which was what Nevada had last week. So uh, Wyoming looking to bounce back from that overtime loss last week. So uh, we will break down that matchup here on this episode. And then we will also break it down a little bit more in Hawaii in general with uh, Stephen Sai who covers Hawaii for the Honolulu Star Advertiser. He will join us in the second segment. Uh, But first, before we get into all that, a little off-the-field news for Wyoming. The school announcing Thursday that it has extended Craig Bull's contract through the 2024 season. Now, that's just a one-year extension uh, from his previous contract, which was actually a contract extension that he signed back in 2016 uh, that would have run his tenure through the 2023 season. Uh, Not all that surprising. Wyoming has had its most sustained success this century by far under Craig Bowl. You know, 30 and 22 Wyoming is over the previous four seasons. Um, Four straight bowl eligible seasons, which has not happened at Wyoming since the late 90s. I think 1996 through 99 was the last time that happened. Uh, They're looking for their fourth bowl bid in five years, which would be the first in program history if they can do it. Uh, But they'll have to start winning some games in this condensed season. And their next effort to start doing that, obviously, will be Friday when they uh, host Hawaii. Looking at this matchup, this will be the first start of this season for Levi Williams at quarterback, obviously stepping in for the injured Sean Chambers, who, by the way, Craig Bowles sort of you know, voiced maybe a little bit of optimism. I don't know if that's just him holding out hope at this point, but uh, Sean does have a fracture in his left fibula and also a high ankle sprain. But Craig didn't rule out the possibility of Sean returning at some point this season, although he will obviously be out for for the foreseeable future. Uh, so now this is Levi's show to run on offense, you know, and, they, and they're going to have to obviously get off to a better start than they did last week when uh, it sort of looked like Wyoming was, was was shocked and put back on his heels. You know, when, when Sean went down with that injury, I think there was a lot of, uh, oh, no, here we go again. And, and just general sadness, uh, you know, watching that sort of unfold. Uh, you know, because Sean obviously was carted off the field and came back on the sideline. And, you know, some of the team, his teammates came over and started hugging him as, as he, you know, uh, shed some tears there. And uh, I think it was just sort of a real somber m- moment with just the, the suddenness of everything. And particularly after Sean had worked so hard the last two seasons to come back from, from those first two season-ending injuries. Uh, so I think it took Wyoming's offense a little while to sort of come out of that shock mode uh, and to get into the rhythm of the game. Um, you know, not picking up a first down until the final minutes of the first half. Uh, and then early in the third, third quarter, Nevada, 
you know, builds its lead to 28 to 6, its largest lead of the game, before, you know, Wyoming sort of hit a switch there, flipped a switch, and, you know, scored 22 unanswered points at, at one point to uh, tie that game. Uh, Levi rushing for two touchdowns, throwing a touchdown to Gunnar Gentry. Um, you know, it seemed like they had a little more rhythm, a little more life uh, to make that comeback effort. Um, obviously, send the game into overtime with, with John Hoyland's 42-yard field goal there at the end of regulation. Uh, I think the encouraging thing is that Wyoming was able to come back and make a game of it again because I don't know if last year's offense really would have been able to do that. This, you know, with the passing game, which which still is a work in progress, uh, you know, not really being all that proficient. Um, you know, it's, it's an offense that's really not built to come from behind, or at least it hasn't been the last couple of years. But Wyoming scores 22 points in basically the final 18 minutes of regulation. Uh, so that's an encouraging sign that if Wyoming does fall behind, uh, the, the game isn't necessarily over, that you have the firepower to make a comeback there. But obviously, don't want to do that week in, week out. Another positive for Wyoming is that, you know, you're not going to have to change the playbook a whole lot with Levi behind center. You know, Levi mentioned the two rushing touchdowns. Anybody that's watched Wyoming, you know, the last couple of years knows that they, they like to use Levi in the run game just as much as they did Sean. Obviously, he's not as dynamic of a runner, but he's more than capable of doing that. So you're not going to have to change your whole philosophy uh, in terms of what you want to do and how you want to try to move the ball on offense. Levi even admitted, you know, and we talked to the media earlier this week that, you know, he was he was surprised that he he had to jump in there, you know, after th- only three snaps last week and and uh, lead the offense the rest of the game. So, um, you know, you, you would think it, to have now a full week to prepare, although I'll be one day shorter with the with the Friday game. Uh, but getting all the reps with the ones, knowing you're going to be the guy, you'd expect a faster start, um, a little crisper start come Friday night from this offense. But one of the matchups I think is going to be crucial in this game is is Wyoming's defense against this revamped Hawaii offense. And look, we know that Wyoming struggled against Nevada's air raid last week. They went 420 passing yards. All of Nevada's touchdowns came through the air. Defensive coordinator Jay Savell actually took the blame for some of that. I think he used the phrase, uh, you know, left some bullets in their gun in terms of uh, the, some of the coverages that they didn't use. Uh, flat out said he made some poor play calls against some of Nevada's running plays and Hawaii is going to be another big challenge although it's going to be an entirely different challenge you know you think of Hawaii going back to the early 2000s uh, you know under June Jones and you know that that old run and shoot pass happy offense where the running game was an afterthought Uh, that's not the case under their first year coach Todd Graham Uh, it's very interesting uh, you look at Todd Graham's history, and I've actually got a story uh, that's up at Trib.com and PokesAuthority.com, sort of doing a more thorough dive into this. But uh, Todd Graham has coached 12 different teams, not counting this year's team at Hawaii, uh, 12 different teams as an FBS coach. Five of those teams have finished in the top 50 nationally in rushing offense. And going back to his uh, days as Tulsa's head coach, they actually had the number one rushing offense in the country back in 2008. And in his Hawaii debut, the Warriors ran the ball 53 times against Fresno State, which I can't even believe I'm saying that. Uh, But 53 times, uh, averaged more than six yards a carry. So this is going to be a totally different type of run-and-shoot offense that Wami is going to see from Hawaii um, you know, usually you don't really have to prepare that much for the run because 
you know, Hawaii usually just doesn't do it a whole lot. But uh, that, that, that's not the case anymore. I mean, if you're Wyoming, you've got to be conscious of everything and defending every part of the field, both vertically, horizontally, uh, you know, to, to try to contain this offense. And they also have a different style of quarterback in Chevin Cordero. Of course, that, that name may sound familiar to Wyoming fans because he actually came on for an injured Cole McDonald a couple of years back in 2018 uh, in Honolulu and actually led Hawaii to a 17-13 comeback win the last time these teams played. Uh, now a redshirt sophomore, uh, you know, he's more comfortable in the offense, and, and he's a guy that not only can uh, beat you with his arm, but uh, is really a threat with his legs. He's a smaller quarterback uh, than Cole McDonald was. He was about six foot one, 190 pounds, but he's really quick. And uh, if, you, if you're not able to contain him, or at least try to contain him in the pocket, he can he can really take off and make things happen when, when things break down. Uh, he did that a lot against Fresno State, led them in rushing in that game, 116 yards on just 13 carries. So that's, you know, you can't just turn your back in man-to-man coverage and start, you know, running with receivers and forget about the quarterback. Uh, you know, you, they're, they're going to have to have guys peel off and... Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if you see Wyoming try to incorporate some sort of spy on on Chevin Cordero a lot in this game because uh, you just can't let him you know run around back there and sort of play backyard football if you will. Uh, so that's obviously going to to be a big challenge in this game. But uh, I do think Wyoming's offense will will be able to move the ball. Now you look at Fresno State. Last week, Hawaii held them to 19 points, but uh, they forced four turnovers, which really uh, halted a lot of Fresno State's momentum on offense when they were moving the ball because Fresno State had more than 400 yards of offense. So uh, they got up and down the field against uh, the Warriors, uh, but couldn't finish a lot of drives uh, simply because they, they coughed the ball up. And, uh, I mean, you got to give Hawaii's defense some credit in, in creating those turnovers. But uh, that was one other good thing about Wyoming's offensive performance against Nevada. Only one turnover in that game. So if they can keep the ball off the ground, play keep away from Hawaii's defense, I think Wyoming will, will score some points in this game. But I also think Hawaii will too. So uh, going to be an interesting matchup and one where uh, Wyoming would love for the elements to uh, – sort of take effect. You know, I think the, the temperature on Friday in Honolulu is supposed to be, you know, in the low 80s. But uh, that obviously doesn't matter this week with the game being in Laramie, uh, which is a very different climate than Hawaii is used to playing in. Now, Hawaii, you know, they have been sort of trying to acclimate to it all week because they did not fly back to Hawaii after their game against Fresno State. They flew straight from Fresno to Denver and have been there all week preparing. So, you know, they've had a week sort of to try to get adjusted to the, the, the temperature and the wind and, and the altitude and everything that comes with playing in this part of the country. But, uh, you know, Wyoming is, is very much more used to that. Uh, you know, they, they live in it year-round, train in it. Um, so you wonder if that might become a factor come late Friday night when this game kicks off. I think the temperatures are supposed to be in the low 30s. So, uh, you know, much different than Hawaii is, is used to. So uh, you wonder if, if that might be something to, uh, to watch for and something that um, might affect the outcome of this game. We'll go ahead and take a break there. And on the other side, I will talk to Stephen Tsai, a Hawaii beat writer for the Honolulu Star Advertiser.
Welcome back into the postcast, and now I'm going to take a little deeper dive in this Hawaii team with Stephen Sai, who covers Hawaii for the Honolulu Star Advertiser. Uh, I'm going to let our conversation finish out this podcast, but be sure to check out Trib.com and PokesAuthority.com for all of our pregame and postgame coverage. Also, be on the lookout for our second Rapid Reaction podcast, which will be published by the time you wake up Saturday morning. Uh, thanks, as always, to all of you for listening. And without further ado, here is Hawaii beat writer Stephen Sai. Stephen, I guess, first of all, just take, thanks for uh, taking some time to speak with me. Yeah, no problem. Great to talk with you. What is this week, I guess, from, from you know, your conversations with, uh, with Hawaii and their players and the coaches, what's this week been like for them? Because I know they didn't go back to, to Hawaii. I know they were in Denver sort of preparing. Just what, what's the week been like for what you've been able to collect? Well, it's been very snowy and cold. Um, uh, um, after the Fresno game, they went to Denver and um, – I think you tried to have a little bit of a walk-through type of deal or just exercise period um, on Sunday. You couldn't do it outdoors, so they ended up doing it in the ballroom. And then um, on uh, Monday, I, I believe they uh, also went indoors to do some um, walk-throughs. And then uh, yeah, on Tuesday, they um, they had an um, indoor session. They, they rented a, a field, uh, but it was snow-covered, and you couldn't scrape off the snow and whatever thickness was on it, so they ended up uh, practicing indoors. So... On Wednesday, uh, today was their first day of uh, practicing um, at an outdoor facility. So, what, what have they said? Just talking from players and coaches about about playing in the cold, and, and do you think well, that'll be any sort of uh, advantage for Wyoming in this game? Um, it, it would have been um, a more of an advantage for Wyoming if, uh, except the way it's gone more to a balanced offense. If, if they it's, it's stuck strictly to a, a run shoot offense, a pass happy offense, and it might have been a little bit of a problem, you know, with the altitude, the amount of routes they would have run. But um, the last week they went with a running game, and uh, they had uh, two guys rush for over a hundred yards, and uh, that seems to be the way that they're going to go. They're trying to be more physical, um, balanced type of a team. So I think that might travel a little bit better than uh, just a pure run shoot team. Yeah, and I was going to ask you that next because this is this is this is not your typical Hawaii offense that people just know about. You know, airing it out, and you know the June Jones, the good old run and shoot days. Uh, what what are some of the other differences, I guess, with this offense now with uh, Todd Graham at the helm? Well, um, uh, it, it's uh, it's going to be purely uh, last year's a bit of a, um, I wouldn't say controversy, but a lot of competition between Cole McDonald. Who, uh, who had uh, uh, left the program um, to enter the NFL draft last year, um, and uh, Chevin Cordero, um, and now it's, uh, Cordero's team. He's a sort of a slightly built guy. He's about six one, maybe one ninety, but he's um, he's really quick, and he seems to know how to take a hit, and he knows when to go down and slide and stuff like that. So it's pretty much his offense, and uh, it's an offense that's um, sort of uh, dictating what what the defense gives. Um, and that's, that was the case last week. They, they struggled um, to, to pass against um, Fresno State's um, uh, four deep coverage, and then they, um, but with a thinner front uh, defensive front, they, they decided to attack with the run. And so that's the type of offense that it'll be. It'll, it'll be more um, adjusting to what, what type of defense could be facing. Yeah, did, did it surprise you at all? Even if it was the way Fresno sort of played them defensively, that they ran it fifty three times, I and mean, that sort of boggled my mind a little bit. Yeah, it does, and um, I think this was one of the. Um, few times the last decade where Hawaii's actually rushed for more yards than passed for. But, but that, that was a surprise. That's sort of been um, the way uh, Todd Graham has been at his uh, previous stops. I, I think he tried to balance offenses um, at Arizona State and at Tulsa where he had the, the most success offensively. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned Chevin Cordero. And 
I know, I guess this is what his first year is the full-time starter, but he's played and actually played, you know, uh, in a sort of an emergency role uh, back in 2018 against Wyoming and led uh, Hawaii to a comeback victory in that game. Just what, how has he developed over the, his course of time being at Hawaii? Um, it just seems he's a lot more um, uh, confident. Um, he's always prepared as if you were um, going to be a starter, but he didn't have a lot of starting experience, especially in high school. Um, his first couple of years in high school, he was behind uh, Tua Tonga Bailoa at St. Louis High School. And so he didn't play um, until his senior year. And um, uh, it was the same way. Uh, he's kind of a, uh, sort of a, a cameo type of player um, uh, for his first two years at UH. But uh, it's he, he's a pretty talented. He's, he comes from a really good um, coaching background. And uh, I think um, he's just sort of grown and matured into the role. He's not a talkative guy, but he's, he's trying to learn to be more of the um, talkative uh, vocal type of leader. Uh, I don't think that comes natural to him. He's, he's more of a, um, uh, a lead-by-example type of leader, but he's really trying really hard to, to become uh, express himself more vocally, and I think uh, that's a little bit of a change for him. And it's not, not been an easy change, but he's accepted the role. And on the other side of the ball, uh, you know, them only giving up 19 points to, to Fresno. I know they, they forced some some turnovers and that played a part in that. But is there an expectation for for this defense to, uh, you know, be better this season at Hawaii? I think it's good. Um, I, I think what he had to do is um, what um, June Jones did his first year at, um, at Hawaii where they didn't have the speed. So what they ended up doing is they'd start moving guys um, into – positions where they would be smaller but quicker so cornerbacks became safeties safeties became linebackers linebackers became ends ends became defensive tackles and i think that's what they tried to do with this team um they, they've gone with a uh it's, it's a smaller quicker lineup and, and and with some of the hybrids it appears like they they almost have um probably six or seven guys on the field sometimes and have had um, um experiences in secondary so um, but they're playing uh, you know, on the line, they're playing linebackers and trying to move guys around. And I think that's the way sort of the combat, um, uh, the girth uh, that they lack um, on this team is uh, that they have a lot of good linebackers, a lot of good safeties, and they're just trying to get them all on the field at the same time. So what what are they running schematically on defense? Uh, they run a bunch of things. I think um, they've gone with a three and a four-man front, and then they'll, they'll try to bring up some uh, linebackers or corners and safeties and just try to create um, a lot of pressure from a lot of different points. But um, they've been alternating on the front, and it's been three or four men on, on the line, and but just a lot of guys just moving around and a lot of um, hybrids. So you'll they'll, they'll have a lot of guys on the field that are just really quick and have um, had, like I said, experiences of playing in coverage. So – Wyoming's been pretty stout against the run, you know, the last two or three years, really. Um, pass defense has been a different story. Nevada sort of exposed that in the first game last week. I mean, would you expect Hawaii to come out and try to try to throw air it out against Wyoming, or do you think it still depends on what, what they give them defensively? Well, I think that the goal is to air it out a lot more. Uh, I believe they only threw about three or four passes of, of you know, of deep passes, of, which I guess they consider in the air for 20 yards, uh, or longer from the line of scrimmage. And um, I, I know that um, uh, Graham's plan is to go at least 10 to 15 times deep in the game. Um, uh, it was kind of interesting where they threw their deep passes from. Uh, I believe they're at their one or two-yard line, and they were throwing out their end zone three times in a row, just trying to stretch it. So it's not a conventional approach to their play calling. But um, I do think they um, tried to spread the field um, horizontally last week, and I think they're going to try to spread it vertically this week. So where do you, and where do you think uh, you know Hawaii's weakness might be, or, or an area that if you're Wyoming going to this game that you think you might be able to to exploit them? Well, um, 
it's just um, like Wyoming, a lot of other teams in the Mountain West, I think it's just a matter of um, um, just trying to um, stall everything they want to do. They didn't have a lot of um, training time, and uh, uh, it, it's, it's been it's been kind of tough to kind of get everybody out, out to the pace that um, Graham wants to go. Um, I, um, he wants to play fast, and, um, and I believe his goal is to get 90, 90, 95 plays a game. And they, they had 84 last week, but they're not at the pace that he wants to get to. And uh, this might not be the ideal time to try to play an up-tempo, faster-paced uh, deal, especially in the altitude. But um, I think that's one of the things that they're trying to move toward. And right now they're still in the development stage of trying to play a faster, faster offense. That's, that's kind of scary that uh, you run 84 plays and it's still not nearly as fast as you want to go on offense. Um, yeah. yeah. I what, think when it was in Tulsa, that I, I, uh, last year in Tulsa, the average, I think, was something like 14 and a half seconds um, from uh, setup to snap. So um, there's potential to go faster. We just haven't reached that um, yet. And he thinks it might be uh, maybe uh, three games to the season, three or four games to the season when they start getting to the pace he wants to play. So, just going back to Todd Graham's hiring, because I know for people listening, he, he they probably know he's a veteran coach. He's coached at Arizona State and Pitt and Tulsa, and he's he's been around a, a while. Um, just what was what was the reaction? I guess with Hawaii's fan base and just there in general when, when he was hired. I think it was a little bit of a surprise because um, the assumption was that they were always uh, they had um, they'd wanted they'd uh, had success earlier. Um, you know, from June Jones, a little bit of Greg McMacken with the run and shoot offense. They went away from it with uh, um, Norm Chow um, to the West Coast offense. And then uh, Rolovich's first year, they did a lot of RPOs and they, they tried to um, uh, sort of incorporate, you know, more balanced type of offense. But uh, the last two years under uh, Rolovich, they went back to the run and shoot that created a lot of excitement. And everyone sort of thought that's what the continuation would have been, that they would have. Um, I'm still stuck to a run and shoot type of coach, and uh, uh, and so it was a little bit surprising when he brought Ron Graham. But um, um, the way his uh, um, offense has been diverse and, and been productive and and physical, because white fans really like physical type of football, I think uh, they, they're starting to embrace him. Uh, but the big problem is with the with the uh, pandemic is that there weren't um, any open practices. There weren't any, any practices in the spring, and so a lot of people didn't get to know. Uh, Graham and I think now they're slowly getting to know him, um, and he just hasn't had a lot of as much interaction with the public as he wants to, just because of the pandemic. Right. Um, so going back to to this Friday's game, who is an who's an X factor for Hawaii that people may not know about, or maybe oh, I don't know, even Wyoming may not be being paid paying that much close attention to that you think might can uh, make a difference. Well, uh, they brought out a guy last week uh, who um, turned out to be. Um, um, uh, big X factor was um, Calvin Turner, who's the starting quarterback at Jacksonville for three years, and um, uh, he uh, brought him in and he used him at the slot, he used him at the Wildcat, he scored two touchdowns. I think he averaged eight, eight and a half yards a carry um, um, as a Wildcat quarterback. So he um, that's a guy who um, showed a lot of his running skills and a little bit of blocking skills last week, and I think they can expand his offense for. I think he can do a lot more. He can probably run um, you know, some triple option and, and maybe throw the ball a little bit. But that's probably someone that um, um, had showed a little bit of surprise last week. But I think they expect even more of him to come loose.